This morning we're going to consider what it means to be a friend of Jesus. What it means to be a friend of Jesus, our text is John chapter 15, verses 12 through to 17. At the beginning of John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus Christ declared himself to be the true vine and those who truly belong to him are described as living branches within the vine. There are dead branches as well. The Christians are living branches. They they bring forth much fruit, not just a little bit of fruit, not a few leaves, a nice smell, but much fruit. Whereas the dead branches, all they're fit for is the fire. We have already seen that living branches in the true vine will inevitably bring forth much fruit to the glory of God. Now, you've got to understand that, that by virtue of the fact those branches are connected to Jesus, it is inevitable that they will bring forth much fruit to the glory of God. As we continue with this chapter, we shall consider the love of Christians for one another and the friendship of Christ towards them. First of all, let's have a look at verses 12 and 13 in John chapter 15. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You'll see in those verses that the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't just ask Christians to love one another with a pretty please, so as not to offend their delicate feelings. He commands them to love one another. Does it seem a wee bit odd to you that Christians are commanded to love one another? If I commanded you to love somebody, would you then love them? I shouldn't think so. But the fact is that not I, but Jesus commands Christians to love one another. So it must be doable. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't command it. That's fair enough, isn't it? I think that makes sense. Such a commandment to love one another implies that Christians already do love one another. And when you consider this commandment within the context of the wider passage, what we <clears throat> what we considered in the earlier verses, for example, all true Christians, they abide in the same vine. All true Christians, they've been washed with the same blood of Jesus. They're indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. They have that same love of God poured into them, shed abroad into their hearts. They're all wearing the same garments of salvation. They're all drawing on that same continuous flow of grace as branches in the true vine. Let's face it, that really ought to make for a close friendship. Therefore, there must inevitably be a love for one another within the church. And when Jesus says, this is my commandment that ye love one another, it is about showing evidence that you really do belong to the true vine as a living branch. And you do so by loving one another. 
you'll note that it's a sacrificial love. As it is written again, let's have a look again at these verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. So we're to love one another as Jesus has loved us, that same kind of love. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That doesn't mean to say that Jesus commands Christians to offer themselves as a sacrifice of sin. It's a sacrificial love, but it's not that uh, kind of love. We're not to offer ourselves as a sacrifice for sin. That is something that only Christ alone is qualified to do. He did that once and for all. All those years ago when he laid down his life at Calvary's cross as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And when he was wounded for the transgressions of all who abide in him, and he was bruised for their iniquities. None of us can do those things. It's been done once and for all for us sinners by the Lord Jesus Christ. The love that Jesus commands Christians to have for one another involves, and this is how we can understand it as being sacrificial, it involves loving not only your best friends within the church, but also Christians whom you don't really associate with for whatever reason. Maybe they get on your nerves, maybe you see them as being a little bit lazy, scruffy, maybe a little bit smelly even. So you'd rather keep your distance from them. You can still love them because Christian love is about action rather than feelings. It's a doing word. Having said that, your feelings will inevitably warm towards such people whom you don't really feel that you want to spend time with. When you love them in practical ways, when you invest time in them, energy in them, and perhaps even money in these people, the chances are that you will warm towards them, unless, of course, they throw it all back in your face. But even then, Jesus commands those who abide in his love to love one another with a sacrificial love. Just think for a moment about the love of a holy and majestic God for people like us, vile sinners, and how each one of us dishonours Jesus time and time again. And I'm talking about Christians, living branches in the true vine, how we dishonour our great God and Saviour time and time again. I'm not saying that your love for others can ever begin to match that love of God which is so clearly seen at the cross. But again, I take you back to those verses in verses 12 and 13, in which Jesus says to his redeemed, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. As a living branch in the true vine, you really can and ought to be obedient to that commandment. All truly born again Christians believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's non-negotiable, isn't it? 
You do, as a Christian, you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is a cardinal doctrine of the Christian faith. It is non-negotiable. But if you study the Apostle John's letters, you will see that he placed equal importance on Christians loving one another. That's how important it is. You cannot separate the two. Christians are people who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and they love one another with a sacrificial love. You can get it all into one sentence there, in one breath. They go together, believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and loving one another. Not one, and but the other, both of them. Speaking from my own experience, when I was newly converted, a single man, I really appreciated the invitations by Christian families who invited me to go to their homes for dinner on Sunday after the morning service and spend time with them in profitable conversation, talking about Jesus. That was love in action on their part. It's something that has stuck with me all those years later. That love that they showed did not save me. Jesus saved me by his grace when I recognised my sins and I I came to faith in Christ. But that love was so important to me. Let's move on. Verses 14 and 15. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So these verses are talking about friendship. Imagine a situation in which Her Majesty the Queen chose you to be her friend. The emphasis would be on the fact that the Queen befriended you, and not the other way round. For your part, you may well consider how privileged you are to be a friend of the Queen. Likewise, as we see in verse 14, the Lord Jesus Christ did not say, I am your friend. Rather, he said, ye are my friends. Big difference, isn't it? Dear Christian, I trust you appreciate that the King of Kings reached out to you with his scepter and befriended you, a miserable wretch, and that it was not the other way round. This really does make a nonsense of um, people saying, you know, I'm not saying they're not Christians, but they re- they need to speak more scripturally, more biblically, when people talk about inviting Jesus into their lives. They've really missed the point there. Inviting Jesus into my heart, inviting him into my home. It's the other way round. It's the other way round. Jesus saves us by his grace. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, if you're a Christian. And he saved you by his grace. Looking again at verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Does that mean that you will remain a friend of Jesus only as long as you obey his commandments? 
You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Is that conditional then? The friendship of Jesus towards you, conditional upon you keeping his commandments. Not at all. What it means is that your obedience to Jesus is evidence of your being his friend. And in the immediate, in the immediate context of his commandment to what? To love one another. That's what he's talking about in these verses. Loving one another in the context of that. Your obedience to that commandment is evidence to others and most importantly to yourself that you really are a Christian, that you really are a friend of Jesus. Just look at uh, chapter 13, if you turn back to chapter 13, um, verses 34 and 35, you'll see what I mean. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. That's what we're studying today, isn't it? Look at this now in verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. That's the evidence. Loving one another is the evidence to an unbelieving world and to yourself that you belong to Jesus, that you are branches in the true vine. This is the thing I love about Christianity. It's it's full of evidence. It's not pie-in-the-sky stuff. It's not all fuzzy. You can know for sure in so many ways that you really do belong to Jesus, that you really do have a heavenly hope, that your sins are forgiven. In so many ways. Again, I found that out. Not I, I, I got that reminder the other week with the answer to prayer. Just one of many reminders that I really do belong to Jesus. It's what you read in the scriptures being a reality in your life. The evidence of belonging to Christ. The unbelieving world watches Christians. You know that for yourselves. Your people will watch you. and They'll watch every move you make. In work, wherever you are, if they know you're Christian, I mean, there are Christians in the workplace, no one would have a clue that they're Christians. They do an amazing job of keeping it under wraps and keeping their light hidden under a bushel. But if people know that you're a Christian, they will be watching you. And it can, and they can legitimately expect to see a sacrificial love and a unity in the church And that will glorify God when people see how Christians love one another in practical ways. When examining yourself to see whether you really are abiding in Christ and in his love, ask yourself this. Do I love other Christians? Do I show any love towards my brothers and sisters in Christ in practical and sacrificial ways? Sacrificial always speaks about giving, doesn't it? Giving your time, your energy towards them, and even, yep, even money, dipping, putting your hand in your pocket. We'll move on to verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go forth, uh, should go and bring forth fruit, 
and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Having considered the fact that we do not befriend Jesus, but that he befriends us, we now see that we do not choose him, but he chooses us. First and foremost, if you belong to Jesus and you are his friend, then God chose you to be saved from your sin and he chose you long before you were even born. He chose you in eternity. God didn't just see you one day and think, I really like that guy, he's, he's amazing. He stands out in the crowd, I think I'm going to save him. That decision was taken in eternity, before you even did anything. God set his love upon you and chose you for salvation. As the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesian Christians, according as he have chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Lovely verse of scripture. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, I think. It's worth looking at that one and remembering it. However, here in John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus was speaking about choosing certain men. Let's stick to the passage, the context of the passage. Jesus was talking to his 11 apostles. He chose them. He ordained them to be his apostles to the end that they should go and bring forth fruit that would remain. And that is precisely what those men did. They went forth and proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And uh, within that message, they would have, they, they spoke about the life of obedience by the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have miserably failed to live. That perfect obedience of Jesus throughout his life. His sacrificial death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension and his coming again in judgment, which we're looking at this evening, uh, Christ coming again in judgment. And now all these years later, the church is built upon the teaching of the apostles, with Jesus as the foundation. However, more broadly in verse 16, there is a call to all, not just the apostles, but to all whom God has chosen and befriended. That's you, dear Christian. God has chosen you and he has befriended you to proclaim repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of sins. Let's have some applications now. Are you a friend of Jesus? Everyone says, oh yes, I am a friend of Jesus. Anyone can say yes, can't they? If you are, then praise God for initiating that friendship and for choosing you in Christ Jesus to be holy and without blame before him in love. But don't keep that friendship under wraps. Tell others about that friendship. Tell them how Jesus bare away your sins in his body at the cross. Tell them how he washed away your sins in his own precious blood. How he took away your filthy rags of self-righteousness and how he clothed you with garments of salvation and a robe of righteousness. 
tell them that Jesus has promised never to leave you nor forsake you. There's no other friendship like that, is there? You can never really be sure that even your best friends will stick with you when the going gets tough. Because you know yourself that no one can ever really trust you to stick with them when the going gets tough. But Jesus does stick with those whom he died for at Calvary's cross. Tell them about the great and certain hope that you have of one day being with Jesus where he is and beholding his glory. Tell them about the hope that can be theirs if they too trust in Jesus as repentant sinners. Don't you dare keep all of that to yourself. Tell them about the Son of God who makes friends with sinners. Amen.